0: Listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Hohokam, and Yucateco Maya people, and we wish to pay our respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. <sighs> Konnichi, what's up, Itokos? Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your sir-auntie, Charmaine Fury, a.k.a. The Blasian Blurred, and this is episode 220. I have an announcement. I have a completely unexpected announcement to make on this intro. (laughs) Uh, When I woke up this morning, I did not plan on doing this, but after about an hour and a half of really unsuccessful attempts to record my intro and how sweaty and anxious I got this morning, I believe I was on the verge of a panic attack, which I have experienced in the past, but it's been a very long time since then. And I needed to take a break and try to figure out what was going on with myself to calm things down. And essentially, I've been aware that I've been under high anxiety for the last couple weeks. And part of that I think had to do with the fact that I extended my mental health hiatus into September instead of August, which is when I normally do it. um, In preparation of my trip back to the U S to start my residency process to Mexico. (sighs) But I've been experiencing tremendous amount of anxiety leading up to this appointment. So while I'm still trying to gather all the paperwork and things that I need And I've been talking to other people who've gone through it. And most people say it's smooth as long as you have all your paperwork. And -hmm. while I know that on paper we check all the boxes that would get us approved, my, just me as a person, I always think the worst thing is going to happen. And so I just have this tremendous fear I'm going to be sent back to the U.S. And then the fear of like figuring out how I'm going to do that logistically since my cats will be here in Mexico and yada, 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 yada. It's not important. What is important is that um, my anxiety was so high that I was almost about to panic and I had no real reason in the moment for it to have happened besides the fact that I'm a person that suffers from anxiety and all of the things were pointing in that direction. I was kind of ignoring the signs in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to take my mental health hiatus now. I was going to push it into September just because logistically it made more sense. I'll be traveling to the U.S. I will be dealing with this huge thing, which is a residency appointment, to get me approved to live here in Mexico long term. And then when I come back, I'm going to have visitors, multiple visitors, staying uh, with me or just hanging out with me through the month of September and, you know, needing to be present for them as well. But um, – not taking the break in august actually was a bit of a detriment for myself so i have i do have banked interviews i have four banked interviews that i did back between june and july that were supposed to be laid out in the end of august and september beginning of september uh but as of right now i'm going to press the pause button because i'm not really being an effective podcaster at the moment. And so, yeah, I definitely need the break. I need to be able to just quiet my brain enough to focus on gathering the last of the materials I need for my residency appointment um, and getting myself just emotionally prepared to return back to the States, even though it's only supposed to be for a couple weeks. Um, <laughs> there's just so much anxiety with me returning to the U.S. I, I don't want to go back. I really don't. Uh, and hopefully after this appointment, I won't have to have to unless I choose to, um, which would be for, like, a Comic-Con or something like that. But, you know, we'll see. Okay, so I'm announcing that Mental Health Hiatus is starting effective at, after this episode airs, and uh, that includes the other shows. So I've already reached out to my co-host on Blurred Comics, who is also doing some traveling at this period, too. So it's it's actually not an inconvenience for him for me to take the break a couple weeks early, either. Uh, Which actually isn't a couple weeks early because I normally am on break during this time. I'm giving myself stress for no reason. Um, No matter what, I need the break. The question is when I took it, in August or September. And what is the case is that I actually needed it already. But logistically, it was going to be too hard to do shows, at least in the first three weeks of September. So, as of right now, how it stands, I will be taking a break between now and September. I may come back in the last week of September once my guests leave and things like that. If not, maybe I'd give myself a week to decompress and then I come in strong in October. And what's great about coming in strong in October is that I already have four of the first episodes ready to go. Not ready to go, because if they were ready to go, I would just release them now. But they're already recorded. All I need to do is edit and get them together in October, which will cut down a lot of the anxiety of October too, because I'll already have at least one whole month's worth of interviews to share. Uh, So this this feels better. My anxiety has calmed down quite a bit since making the decision. And even though my heart rate is still pretty high right now, I still needed to get this episode done to even make the announcement. Uh, And I do, I feel a lot calmer now, even though my heart is beating like 80 miles an hour. (laughs) So, after I finish getting this episode together and uploading it and everything, I'm gonna go lay in my hammock and I'm just gonna, yes, that's what I'm gonna, that's that's the plan for the rest of the today to try to calm myself the fuck down. Uh, but let's get back into today's episode. My guest today is Amy Pignon. She is a filmmaker and a performing artist and, and just uh, awesome person to talk with. We had such a good conversation and i really like enjoyed reliving it for the edit Uh, because i did record it back in i think june or the beginning of july um you know you kind of lose some of it in your head until you press play and then as it was all coming back to me about how how much fun this conversation was, uh, Amy and I both share mixed Japanese heritage, but Amy is also Filipino, Mexican, Indigenous, which includes uh, Aztec and Maya heritage. And we had conversation. We we um we had a uh, we had a lot of alignment in terms of how we feel as mixed Japanese in terms of like the access to the culture and what what, uh, we feel is our japanese and then carrying that on into everything else that Amy is mixed with. Um, we get a little bit into epigenetics, which is a fun conversation for me, but also something I don't know a whole lot about, but comes up so frequently on the show. So it sparked this interest in me and to kind of go down a research rabbit hole, uh, after this, to learn a little bit more about epigenetics and the, like the study of ancestral, both trauma and instinct, I think. I don't know what the opposite would be, but, but the positive things that get passed down in your, in, in your ancestry, not just your generational trauma, but uh, I'm saying instinct because that's what's popping in my mind, but I don't know if that's the right word. Um, for me, my example is, am I a generally kind of nomadic person because I happen to come from nomadic people? Um, my, one of the tribes in Africa that my ancestors come from is Gabon, which is a uh, Kota people of Gabon, and they are nomadic in nature. Is that why I'm nomadic? Things like that. So I'm going down a whole rabbit hole, and maybe you'll see a uh, bits of that come through when I come back next season. Uh, before we get into today's episode, though, I do just want to announce that, uh, for part two of of the Mixante Confidential episode that that went up last week, where we were continuing the conversation about racial ambiguity and finding new terms that are more empowering, uh, and and more than anything, just trying to let us all know that um, we're not the ambiguous ones. The people outside of us have decided what it means to represent different racial and ethnic groups, and because they are confused when they see our faces, they're putting that on us. And so I, I want to ch- shift that narrative away from I'm not the one that's ambiguous, you are just confused. Uh, because that is something I say often and because i released a little video clip of that From last week's episode, I've gotten a lot of responses about it, and most of them were requests for (laughs) t-shirts. So I did. I put my quote up on the t-shirt and on a mug. It is available on the Militantly Mixed website right now. If you go to militantlymixed.com and click on the merch tab, you will see uh, it comes in black lettering and white lettering on all of the main uh, Militantly Mixed t-shirt colors. White, black, red, yellow, and then gray just because... I can't not have a gray t-shirt. I always have to have a gray t-shirt. So, you know, that's what we did. Uh, so you're welcome to head on over to militantlymix.com, click on the Merge tab and get those t-shirts. There's also a mug. It comes in black with white lettering and it's either in the 11 ounce or the 15 ounce size. So depending on how much caffeine you need to tell people it's their confusion, not your face. Uh, you can get either the 11 or 15 ounce size. And and I hope you enjoy that. All I'm asking is that if you buy one of these T-shirts, please take a picture and send it to me because I want to see. Because it is fun. It's a dope quote. Uh, More than anything, the sentiment behind it is that, you know, people put a lot on us expectation-wise as mixed people to both have all the cultural knowledge and, and have none of it to look a certain way and not look a certain way. And at the end of the day, we're carrying things that are other people's problems. I am not racially ambiguous. You are just confused. Uh, that is at the heart of Military Mix, of me, of, of how I roll the whole thing. So uh, I appreciate all the notes I got. I, I'm glad that that's, that quote resonated with y'all and hopefully having on a t-shirt will be yet another step of empowerment for, for y'all. But let's get into it. Without further ado, uh, please join me in welcoming our last cousin of the season, of this season, uh, Amy Pignon, to the Militantly Mixed Family. And uh, I'll see y'all in October. Peace. Love y'all. <laughs> Today I am joined by Amy Amori Pignon. Yes, said it right? Okay. Good. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I get all in my head about it. Thank you for joining me, Amy. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, and then let's get into it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. My name is Amy slash Amori, which is my creative name. So either either name works, uh, Pignon. My pronouns are she, her, and I am mixed. I am (laughs) Japanese, Filipino, Mexican, Spanish, and indigenous.
0: Okay. Uh, So I do know that you say that like you pretty much just say mixed, full stop usually. Um, I mean,
1: I like to get into the details, you know, for people that deserve details. But Mm -hmm. for people where in situations where I'm like, I just really don't want to explain my identity right now it's just yeah I'm mixed or if they ask me specifically like are you Filipino I'll just be like yes right like I'm not gonna tr- I'm not gonna try to then qualify and be like well yeah I am but then like I also am also, this yeah like it's do just you get Filipino me. I do I do That's- get Filipino a lot
0: because um, I not a single thing with description of like black people <laughs> knowing that makes black people are are black like besides black folks no one ever gets my Asian right right they always say Filipino right. I've never guessed for Japanese so I would love to know what it feels like the moment someone gets your Asian right or even mm. in your case part of your Asian yeah right.
1: yeah it's it's pretty much always a mixed person that will get it right right mm. like mix recognize mix. <laughs> <And> So, <laughs> so like it's it's pretty much the only experiences I can recall are mixed Japanese people specifically that will what? clock me as Japanese. Right. Like, and they'll, they'll know that I'm mixed, but they'll know that I'm Japanese. Yeah. Um, and so that's like the only time I've gotten. So I get Filipino the most. I've also just gotten like a lot of weird instances of like random older Chinese men. And it'll make sense why I think they're Chinese in a moment because they'll, they'll say to me, they'll just be looking at me and say, are you Chinese? And I'll just be like, no. And then awkwardly walk away. It looks like, what are you hoping from that interaction? I just don't understand. But it's one of those mixed experiences, right? Where it's like, people just look at you and they're trying to categorize you and they just can't make sense of you. And so that's why, you know, like I say, like I'm mixed and that's for some people. And then the like, specifics of japanese filipino mexican spanish indigenous is for other people right who can like understand that or who are mixed and like we get each other and i can just say that and it's not going to be like oh my god you're like so exotic or anything like that right it's just gonna be like oh cool cool that's great
0: yeah it's nice to be able to not have to answer the question or not even not have to because we never have to it's the awkwardness that is sitting in the room now because you know, someone decided. I never understand why people, like, as a mixed person, if Mm -hmm. I see a mixed person, I'm like, I need to know what's happening, because this is fun. (laughs) You know, like, it's like, you know, my face did what my face did. Your face is doing what your face did. How did it happen? Like, it's a mixed, (laughs) it's a mixed uh, curiosity, right? Fellow mixed curiosity. But like, a random monoracial person who just walks up, I feel like, especially when, when we're Asian, that they'll assign you whatever asian they grew up around like if there's one population of asian nearby whatever that is that's what they assume you are and it doesn't matter what your phenotypes is it doesn't matter anything else it's just like i met a chinese once you're chinese right you know like right yeah
1: and it it like happens so much specifically with asians because asia asia is such a a giant place right and there's Mm so many countries and cultures within the umbrella of asia Mm -hmm. and people like really just see one thing and they're usually just associating with it with like East Asians mm-hmm. and like yeah. they'll see a certain feature and like I mean looking at me it's like I don't really have like I don't know. I when I look at myself, I'm just like, I don't know. I see everything, but I also don't see anything specifically. That makes you know? Sense to and me. so I'm like, yeah. and so I'm like, how are people even getting this out of my face? Like I don't even understand it because I am just me to myself, right? right? Like right. I am just what I look like and I see everything. If I think of each identity individually, I'm like, oh yeah, I see that in myself. And I'm just like, what are people picking out for me that they're like, oh, are you Chinese? Are you Filipino? Are you this? Like, right. what are they picking out from my face?
0: I think just as a mixed fellow Asian observer, I'm observing another mixed Asian right The question is where you know where in Asia is your um, ancestry and stuff like that so that that would be my thing, but for right. a random monoracial person, I'm assuming it's really just like I grew up around this kind of Asian and you kind of look like that, so I'm just gonna guess that, yeah, and, and I and don't. I- also don't understand what is the goal what do you think is going to happen
1: exactly i was in a space once that was like very filipino it was a filipino event it was everyone that was performing was filipino i was a performer um and there's a lot of filipinos there and so of course since i was performing i was like very visible you know and mm-hmm. so people come come up after and talk to me and i remember this one girl approaching me and I guess you know she was saying something about like oh I loved your performance and and then she like asked me what my ethnicity was and then I start to be like oh yeah I'm Filipino Japanese blah blah blah, and then she's like I knew you weren't full Ew. and I'm just like (laughs) I just wanted to run away right right because it's just like so like what again like what you just said what are you hoping to accomplish from this interaction and like what is the point in exclaiming that like in in being able to like you know quote unquote clock me as like you know something other than like quote unquote full yeah filipino or like fully one race um and it's just so weird that people do that and think that that's like okay and that we're going to be able to have like a friendly conversation after that it's like it's like there's diff there's other ways, right? And like again, it's like whenever I talk to another mixed person, we're gonna understand that and it's like gonna be chill. We're not gonna say things like that. We're not going to like be weird. It's just gonna be like, oh, cool, like that's awesome. That's your identity. <laughs> or like, like I noticed that
0: the mixed equivalent of that would be like, Oh, you're mixed too. So it'd be more of like, I'm excited that we have yeah, exactly. a thing in common. It's like, Oh
1: my God. Yeah. You are totally mixed. I can to- totally tell. Right. And then we're vibing. Right. It's not but like then- a, Oh, I can tell that you're not fully this. Like, No mixed person would ever say that because we've experienced that. Right. right. Like we would And never why say would that we
0: feel else. good by hearing that? Like, Oh, no. thank you for putting me in my place. <laughs> I'm not a full, you're right. I shouldn't what, you know, like, what is the goal? Is it to hurt me? Do you think it's gonna make me feel good like what is the thing i i don't understand what their fascination is knowing that i have my own fascination and my own fascination is i love to see what happens to us like mixed faces like if you put me next to my brother you wouldn't think we were siblings you put me next to Mm -hmm. my cousin and you think we're twins so like what happened between us that that happened, you know, like that's the thing that I would find more fascinating. You know, the, the DNA stuff, the, Mm -hmm. the phenotype, like how did this stuff happen versus like, let me tell you why you're not legitimate. You know, like that's Mm -hmm. what it feels like they're trying to say. Yeah. And it really, there
1: really are so many similarities more between people of different races than there are individuality with one within one racial group that it's like, why is this even a conversation anymore? Like, why can't people just be like, I like I understand the human like need to categorize people and all that kind of stuff. But like, why do you feel that need? Because there's people look different and like so many more people are mixed these days or just mm-hmm. like identity just does not matter to like what you're actually bringing to the world. And it's like, mm-hmm. I brought a lovely performance. I was there. I was like happy, enjoying being in community. And then of course, it's like this, whole like thing that I get from monoracial spaces where it's like I'm never enough of that thing right to Mm -hmm. be involved like someone is always there being like well I can tell that you are not like fully in this and it's like but what is the purpose of that and what is the meaning of you pulling that out and like actually saying that to me because I was just here doing a thing like I don't know what you were doing I was just here to like be involved in this community like
0: and imagine how weird your life must be if I was here performing and people are enjoying it and your whole time you're saying to to yourself in the audience, what is that person? I need to figure out what that person is. They can't be full. Like you aren't enjoying, you can't possibly be enjoying yourself either if you're gonna be that kind of person. Um, and so much so that now you have to take your lack of enjoyment out on me by being like, this distracted me the whole time. Um, I definitely get nervous in uh, monoracial spaces because of stuff like that. But I think, honestly, if I'm honest, since doing the show, I've gotten more nervous about it because I went my whole life being black in black spaces without any problems. But now anything like that, I mean, at most, they might just ask, what's the other stuff like acknowledging Mm -hmm. my blackness? But what's what else is going on? And that is never asked in a way that upsets me. It's always like I see you. What's the other stuff I see? And I'm cool with that. But because of doing the show and hearing, you know, what people experience now, I'm gearing myself up every time I go into a moderation space. And I just did it to myself at, um, at a Juneteenth event here in Mexico with fellow black expats. And I was just like, OK, you know, I'm going to be the mixed one. Like I was all gearing up for it. And not a person made me feel like mm. that, except for the person who had mixed children and actually, has exclusively lived in predominantly white countries until recently. Hmm. And so she basically sought me out of the crowd to be like, My daughter is mixed too. I've never been with a black man. And I was like, Okay. Whoa. Why was I the Whoa. one? <laughs> <laughs> I was That's like, That's so weird. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know. I didn't ask for that. I'm just here. To be, I'm just trying to be black right now. So thank you. <laughs> um, and then she also confessed to me that her daughter is so. Inexperienced in being around black people that she's actually afraid of black people. And I was thinking, bro, is this the time? Wow. You know, is this the Ooh. time and place for you to tell me that you're mixed that you've raised your mixed daughter oh in such a way you're, this was a black person too, mind you, that she raised her mixed daughter in such a way that her daughter is afraid of black people when her mother is black. Very confusing. I don't know why I needed that, but in all of my preparation to be like, okay, I'm going to this monoracial space and they're going to ask me questions about being mixed. Ultimately, nobody did except for a person who I guess was trying to bond in the weirdest way. Yeah, Um, I guess that's what that is. (laughs) Yeah, like it was very (laughs) random and weird. But um, I really would like monoracial people to just leave us alone. We know we're mixed. You know what I'm saying? Like we know what's going on with our face you can stay confused just leave us alone (laughs) like let us have our time let us have our time where we don't have to talk about it if we don't want to yeah you know so in terms of like just how you have moved around the world and everything like that do you have access to most of your cultures or you're primarily more japanese filipino Texas.
1: Yeah. So this is a really interesting topic that I think like a lot of mixed people struggle with, right? Is that is that sort of connection to identity or your like ancestral lineage? And I do yeah. like to think of my mixedness in terms of ancestral lineage because that obviously, again, it, it informs my phenotype and yep. what I look like. But it's also like your racial identity is very much shaped by how people perceive you
0: right, um, and
1: what they put on you as well as what your family tells you you are. And mm. so for the longest time growing up, you know, I just knew that I, I, d- I don't think I really like had the language of being like I'm mixed, but I would, I definitely knew I wasn't white um, mm. and I knew that like I had all of these different ethnicities, right? So I would, al- I would, you know, have this, I would recite it and it's a little bit different than, it was a little bit different than what I said than what I say now, um, because there's been a lot of nuance in in discovering Mm -hmm. my identities and talking to more family members and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I would always have that. And then I remember like in middle school, like multiple times kids being like, no, you're not like you're not that thing, like you're white. And that was so confusing for me. And specifically, they would say you're white. And they would say, no, you're not those things. Because I never, I don't think I look like, I don't think I look white. white. I don't think I look white passing or presenting. I don't think I ever did. And I don't like identify with that. And also I was just like, why are you telling me that I'm not these things? Like that doesn't make any sense at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of my first earliest experiences with questioning my identity um, and had more of those like experiences through high school and stuff of, just you know being a part of different friend groups and things of people who were you know different kinds of asian and like Mm. different you know growing up in different cultures and customs and being closer to those things than i was um and just like like having a friendship with them but like ultimately not being able to have like the similarities that i wanted to have right like Mm -hmm. i wanted to be one of the asians right like i I wanted to fit in with the asian group um, because it very much felt like with um like the mexicans at my school or like uh latina or hispanic people it language was a huge thing right and i don't Mm -hmm. speak a lot of spanish and so i was like well i can't fit in there Mm -hmm. um and like in my high school there was a lot of, it was a lot of um, Asian Pacific Islanders. So it was mm-hmm. it was mostly um, that. And so I was like, I want to be one of the Asians, but I just couldn't find a way to like fit in in that way culturally in the same mm-hmm. ways of other people. Um, and so thinking about like how I identify hierarchically, which I know you talk a lot about, mm-hmm. I think for me, I identify a lot with being Japanese and everything after that is kind of just on the same level <laughs> because uh, yeah. I was raised by my mom primarily and she Mm -hmm. is Japanese and Filipino and she mostly identifies with her Mm Japanese-ness and and I don't think she really got a lot of the Filipino culture. She doesn't speak Tagalog. Mm -hmm. Um, Her whole... So my mom's thing is that she grew up in Okinawa, Japan. Um, Mm -hmm. She grew up on the naval base and Mm so... That is a whole different culture um, than the rest of Okinawa. And I mean, Okinawans are Okinawans, right? Mm -hmm. They are even separate from the mainland Japan. And even she was not really considered a native, even though she was born there and grew up there. But she grew up on the base, right? Mm -hmm. So she went to an Americanized English-speaking school with a lot of white people, a lot of, you know, the kids of the people working on the base right. and so that's what she grew up in and she speaks Japanese but only you know colloquially through speaking it with her family mm-hmm. um, and so once she came here in her early 20s she was very much like I'm I'm an American and you know she obviously identifies as as Asian and like has pride in that but I don't sure. think she really identifies with like being um, you know like Japanese in a way where it's like differentiated in any mm-hmm. way um she's just very much like i'm an american and yes i am asian as well and have pride in that but like i'm very much just like this is right. m- this is my hometown she doesn't really identify japan as her home as her mm-hmm. home country or anything like that um and oh so- interesting
0: even though she got even though it was in her 20s when she got here
1: yeah. I mean, I guess she would say it's her home country. That's where she was born. But she's very much like Seattle is my hometown. You know? I guess she's you. lived here for so long. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so she has that whole identity, you know, mm-hmm. around her of not being like a native. And so I think... For me growing up, I didn't really receive a lot of the like Japanese culture and custom and traditions because I don't necessarily think that she grew up with a lot of that. I know that she didn't really grow up with a lot of her Filipino um, heritage. Um, Her dad is from the Philippines the philippines and was working on the as a civilian on the base and so that's Mm. why she grew up there but i don't think she really did a lot of that stuff um like in terms of just like deep japanese culture aside from like more surface things like food and Mm -hmm. decoration and like you know like for me it was like food and decoration and and basic words and pronunciations right like
0: that's exactly my situation uh yeah i call myself weekend japanese because it's just like (laughs) It wasn't every day. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just like a little bit, but not enough for her to, you know, come to this country and then be like, oh, I'm gonna teach my daughter Japanese. Like, I don't think she ever saw a need for that mm. or like to like be in touch with like the Japanese community here or anything. She was just very much like, that's We're not really it. a part of her living here. Um, yeah. so I don't think she grew up with a lot of that. And so that's why I didn't grow up with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on my dad's side, it's really just not not any of that really like it's there's a little bit so some of the more nuances of my indigenous identity are that recently i found out from an aunt that was like oh we're actually like mayan and aztec and i was like Mm. okay that makes the mexican part make a lot more sense and more specific um and in addition to that we also have flathead nation lineage which is located in montana and so that i knew um But when I learned about more of the Mexican indigenous um, ancestry, that was very much more nuanced for me. But it was something that I never really picked up on or, or learned about or questioned because I just didn't know a lot of the specifics about that side of my family. And I didn't spend as much time with my dad and my dad's side of the family. And a lot of them are a lot of the people on that side of the family, like my cousins are, they're very white presenting and have white children. And like, I feel like, they're not super wanting to be in touch with like their mixedness because sure. they're all yeah. mixed too. Yeah. Um, But it's just never really been a thing in our family. And so I've had that where I'm like, I didn't have that growing up. I don't have a lot of those associations, but my understanding of my mixedness now is just that like, Hey, you can learn. Like I can, you learn. can learn. Yeah. And also I- like, I feel that because I have all these identities that I've come to know and understand about myself in what my family has told me and in how I look and how I am presenting to other people and what other people are put on to me, like all those things, you know, mix up in your head and you take all of that with you. Right. And Mm -hmm. what I've learned is just that like, I can identify how I want to identify and I can take up space within that as Mm -hmm. much as I feel reasonable. Right. Like, like, you know, I don't think that I would want to take up too much space in a space that was like, this space is for indigenous people, you know, who have this shared experience and identity. Right. Like I do feel like I can be a part of that, but I wouldn't want to like take space away from someone else who is like more fully involved in whatever, whatever that group is doing or things like that. Right. So it's like, I can be involved in it and I can continue to educate myself and learn. And like, I think there's something great about having all these cultures and being mixed and like having being able to connect with different cultures mm-hmm. personally in a way that you couldn't with a culture that, you know, is just completely outside of your ancestral lineage. Right. And I don't think, of course, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I, you know, I, I love for more people to like learn more about different cultures and all that stuff. Um, but I think like, you can just relate to it a little bit in a different way when you have that ancestry.
0: Yeah. I think there's, there's tiers to access and not in like a gatekeepy kind of way, but in, in literally like a, there's the kid who grew up and they had the language, they had the culture, they had trips back home to the home country, whatever. And then, and that's all varies all the way down to someone probably like you and I are probably really similar where like, we have the relative that comes from the place, but they assimilated, you know, or, or I guess it's a little it seems a little different not necessarily assimilation on your mom's part it's like literally she grew up on the base so that was what it was yeah it was an american yeah. base right yeah uh, whereas my grandma like became an american and mm-hmm. shed her japanese mm. in in the way that in the way of like when you have a national identity versus a um ethnic identity right mm-hmm. like even though I grew up in the States, I have an ethnic identity. Uh, I don't have a national identity. And now that I'm here in Mexico, I'm kind of forced to realize what my national identity is as an American, Mm. but in the States, I don't have reasons to ever be an American. If that makes Mm. sense. Uh, Whereas like my grandma actively wanted to be an American so much so that she's my grandma, not my obachan, you know, like she wouldn't let me, call her obachan growing Mm. up and and even though i refer to her that when i'm talking about her um she wanted to be an american grandma so that's what Mm. she was you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. she became that thing and and so in the way in which i can take up space or feel comfortable taking up space in japanese um spaces it's i'm going to tell you i'm japanese I know I'm Japanese because I know who I'm related to, who comes from Japan. You know, I had food at home. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of language, not a lot, but a little bit. And I speak like it's, it's less than English. It's less than, you know, like, it's just like a random word here and there or a random sentence. It's not even as good as like Spanglish, which is almost like its whole other language. Right. <laughs> I, I It's not like that. It's, it's just like, you know someone says something and I have a response as a Japanese response and people have gotten used to me doing stuff like that. You know, like that's, that's my extent. Um, mm. now if Japanese people specifically had a reason, like internment to be vocal, to be uh, social justice warriors in some shape form during my lifetime, I wouldn't necessarily be the loudest person on the stage, but I would be present at the action. You know what I'm saying? Like I would be mm. present but I might not be the keynote, you know, I might not right. be the head speaker. I, right. I, And I would approach that spaces as a mixed Japanese, da, 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 da. you know, like I would mm-hmm. make, in that case, my mixedness is part of what my, my existing in this space mm-hmm. would be like. It's yeah. a little different for me with Black spaces because of my hierarchical access um, in that, like, again, I won't be the loudest voice at a Black Lives Matter rally, but I will be present in the action. And if... For some reason, you need the mixed perspective. I'm your main, you know mm-hmm. like i'll I'll be there right um whereas in in the things that I have less access to, and I don't mean that in a in a way that's invalidating in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. just like logistically, in my lifetime, I had less access to this part of the culture right. like you know my one of my grandfathers is Appalachian
1: mm.
0: I know where he's from, <laughs> I know where they came from, I know how long they've been here but I didn't grow up in that shit. I don't know those people. You know, so like mm. I will tell you the white American that I have is Appalachian. It's Irish and Scottish and, you know, that's that's what I know. Um, but I'm not going to sit there and be like, you know, Irish independence ex- except for that I think they should be independent from England. You know, but I don't have a right. I don't have a Right. I don't really like the term skin in the game, but you know what I'm saying? Like I don't yeah, have yeah. the the motivation yeah. to the loudest presence there that being said will I go to an Irish festival and feel like I'm kind of participating yeah sure I'll do that you know will I study some things yeah sure I'll do that Um, but I won't I won't feel like less of this thing that I know is inside of me just because Mm -hmm. I didn't have access to the culture yeah but the amount of access to the culture I have now at 45 is on me Mm -hmm. you know my family gave me what they could or Mm -hmm. did You know what they wanted to and depending on what the situation is and now as an adult i'm aware of all these things and the way that i access it is the way that i access it yeah um and i think that's completely fine for us and a way to block the invalidation that comes from the outside you know oh like you know you said that Oh, I knew you weren't full. Thing that's not for me. That's about you. <laughs> that ain't got shit yeah, to do with me. Exactly. You literally, don't know how much access I had. And even if you do, know, even if I tell you how much access I have, it doesn't make me any less of this thing exactly. just because I had a different access point. I know full, you know, quotation fingers. I know full <laughs> fill in the blank race people that didn't right. have access to their culture at all because they grew up in the U.S. Yeah, ethnically they're full, but culturally I might be more Japanese than them. Right. Again, all of this is in quotes. <laughs> right. All of these it's are in very quotes. nuanced, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, and so it's just ridiculous for someone to even try to put those expectations, requirements, you know, percentages on us because they don't they don't really know what it's like. And honestly, if like your personality or your or the way you move in a space was more of the quotient than what our faces look like. I mean, I'm the king of Wakanda, if that's the case. Like I'm hella black, but I just happen to be mixed and also Japanese. You know what I'm saying? So it's a whole yeah,
1: thing. yeah, it's a whole thing. yeah. Just just to uh, add something to what you were saying about like sort of being on the front lines or like you know being being a voice in you know sol- being in solidarity or or um standing mm-hmm. up for rights for people. Like I think that's something that as mixed people gives us like a certain perspective and access to because it's like well, yeah, I'm going to stand up for my Asian friends and, like, also my Mexican friends and Mm -hmm. also my indigenous friends. And, like, it's not that you can't do that and, like, be of any other race, but it's, like, it gives me a different perspective uh, and, like, access to being, like, well, yeah, this is a part of my identity and it affects me, too. And it also gives me an opportunity to, like, be in solidarity with communities, right? right? And, like, be across that and have that personal connection to it, so... I think it's like it's really important
0: it's so much it's so and honestly like I prefer a solidarity space anyway and maybe that's because I'm a mixed person I don't know maybe that's because I spent a whole life not feeling like a single a singular thing maybe I mean I don't care to I wouldn't pick it I'm well I would pick a different presentation if I'm if I'm honest but I wouldn't pick like the lack of mixedness mixedness is yeah yeah I'm keeping that But I think being able to be in a space that says, like, we see that we experience some similar things, different ways in which we're experiencing, but, you know, oppression, Mm -hmm. oppression is oppression. Um, Mm. And even though we're experiencing different methods of oppression, or what have you, like a solidarity space makes sense to me, because it's like, at the end of the day, we know what the culprit is, so we can all band together against this
1: exactly right it it stands for for all types of marginalized groups and not just race like it's yeah. class like we need more class solidarity and and all Absolutely. of that because it's like it we're it's millionaires and billionaires that are causing these problems right like we're we're against them we're against capitalist you know capitalism yeah. essentially and big corporations things that are that are ruling the space. Um, we're not against other people that are out here working and like just Mm-mm. trying to survive. Like whether we're in, you know, the most, the highest, like poverty. Uh, what is it called? I don't even remember the the term. Not ratio. The like the whole scale. I got you. Yeah. It's like yeah, that whole thing. Like wherever you are in that, it's like we're all working people. We're all trying to survive out here. And we're all we're all getting screwed by billionaires. We're
0: all getting screwed by billionaires, but like we need to be in solidarity. We literally need all the jobs like, yeah, we need a person to fill every job. So why would I look down on a person that does this job and look up to a person that does this job? Exactly. We need more service jobs than we need people sitting in offices if I'm, you know if yeah. I'm telling the truth. But anyway, that's, um, that's another you know, podcast. That's a, a, <laughs> a different thing. But like, you know, if um, if we're really just going to base things off how much people make or whatever, blah, 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 the, how much people make doesn't match up with how much people are needed. And mm. that's the thing that needs to be mm. more important. I need my, you know, so-called blue collar or service professionals to actually make more mm. because they're the ones providing the things that actually keep us going. Mm. Um, you know, but like, Sitting in a cubicle somewhere doesn't necessarily keep us going across the board. It it really depends on what cubicle you're sitting in. Which is why I'm retired. <laughs> I'm retired. As far as I'm concerned, I'm retired. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's funny though. Uh, I kind of want to go all the way back to something that you you said a little bit earlier about like when you learn new things from different family members and it kind of exposes you to a different aspect of of your heritage and and things like that. Like, I think people are afraid to find out that there's something else or you know or find out that oh there's a little bit extra thing because then they might feel a little inauthentic either inauthentic because they thought they were this other thing and they put all their energy into that thing and now they found out there's this other thing or which i still think you're still being authentic because you you knew what you had access to what you had access to um but the other thing would be like well how do i how do I get myself, how do I get permission to enter mm. this space and participate in this yeah. when I just found out today, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think like, for me, the parallel is, you know, being the descendant of African enslavement in the United States. Um, I happen to find, I happen to have found out where we come from, where we were kidnapped from, but I can't claim it in a way where I say, I now have a code of people of Gabon identity. I don't have that. I have, a code of people from Gabon ancestry. And I'm going, I have the, hopefully one day I will have the finances to allow me to go visit and have a pilgrimage and and access it in whatever way I can access it for right now. I access it in what little I can find online and, you know, which is mostly drumming videos on YouTube, (laughs) which speaks to me very specifically, a very (laughs) specific thing inside me makes me happy. But just because I found out like, I've always known we were black that that part wasn't hard I always known we were the descendants of African enslavement that's that part's not hard but what I didn't have was my bridge to Africa until recently and Mm -hmm. now that I have it it's on me to try to figure out what that next step is Mm -hmm. now I don't believe I'm ever going to have a Kota person of Gabon identity but I will have the descendant of Kota people from Caban identity, as I learned mm, yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. And I think when you probably found out that um, about how your Mexican side was probably more indigenous and here's, here's the different people we think we're from, as soon as you said that, and this is maybe just a trick of the eye for me because I've been doing this for five years, talking to people. And now I live in the Yucatan, and I see Maya yeah. people. You know, I see people yeah. with Maya and ancestry. As soon as you said that, your face shifted from Asian, <laughs> right, into indigenous, like right, Yucatan, like Yucatan indigenous. Yeah, it was so weird how like this happens a lot. Like, I see <laughs> yeah, your head, and I'm like, oh, you're something else now. But when you did that, I was like, oh my gosh, I see it, like because I'm <laughs> yep. seeing people who have a face structure actually really similar to your face structure. But because I started with you in the context of being fellow Japanese mixed people once he said that I was like boom all of a sudden your face (laughs) right
1: exactly
0: Um, so you should probably come out here so you can just walk down the street and you'll be like oh my god (laughs) you look like a browner version of me it's really it's really funny how like the more you're exposed to people the more you see what's happening in people's faces like
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I resonate with that whenever I see mixed people and then you learn what they are and then you're just like, oh yeah, I could see it all. And like I was saying earlier, it's like I can see all the things in Mm -hmm. myself, right? And like, cause it's like I see my parents too you know who are more specifically of those identities right and so i can see all the features and so that's why i'm very confused by other people and how they perceive me but that has nothing to do with me
0: yeah but- that that doesn't <laughs> it still impacts you like that's hard for us to learn right. like to shut our ears to it but um but you know the perception of others the earlier we can learn that the perception of others should not have an impact on the way we view ourselves like mm-hmm. i don't care what you say i am a real japanese Right. I wasn't born in Japan. I'm not ethnically full Japanese, but what I have is access to my grandmother who was from there. I got a lot of stuff from her growing up. I'm mm-hmm. a lot like her. Yeah. You know, in behavior and I think there's something to that because she always told me she was a lot like her grandma. Mm. And so I think we're skip a generation people, which like, we just have really good relationships with whoever our grandmothers are. And so I'm now connected to the last member of my family that was around Mm. during samurai period, like during the transition, because my grandmother was close to her because that was her grandmother, right? And so I don't, she was gone before I was born, but I have, I feel, I feel like I am a direct descendant, you know, as a result Mm -hmm. of my connection to my grandmother to... culture and the things that my grandmother received from her grandmother so on so on so forth yeah so I think like you know you and I were talking uh, before we press record about like and the ancestry aspects of how we are the way we are I I started kind of getting into the DNA stuff just because it was popping up so much for me uh, uh, it's less important what the percentages are and more important of just like what do I see and there's things that I see in me that I got from my grandmother, things I see from my mom and dad, you know, all that kind of stuff. I have pictures of some ancestors and I look at them and I'm like, oh, I have the same eyebrows as my great, great aunt Clara, you know, like things like that, you know, start popping up. And, but also I wonder about what things happened to them that are sitting, you know, yeah. like we talk about generational trauma or things like that, but it could really just be like generational I, am I nomadic as a person? Because I come from people that were nomadic, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. I know that I don't like to live a place longer than four years. <laughs> you know, like, I know that much, I know that after four to five years, I got that itch, and I'm ready to move on. Uh, does that come from my ancestry? Or does that? Is that just something that's a personality thing for me? Yeah. Um, I think given my polyamory, uh, There's evidence to support (laughs) Uh, that that comes from somewhere in my family, too. Uh, Have you been able to, as you've kind of been exposed to more stories from your family, have you you been able to find little nuggets like that for yourself?
1: Well, I feel like with the idea of like ancestral trauma or like that ancestral DNA lineage that gets passed down onto you, like, I think there are definite things where it's like, well, first of all, it's it's very much not researched, right? Like, we don't know a lot about it. And I think the, like, scientific term is actually epigenetics. Like, that mm-hmm. is what ancestral trauma um, deals with, is that study. Um, and we don't really know a lot about it. But I do think there there is, like there's credibility to the fact that like our DNA has been passed down for generations and generations. And that can affect a lot of things, not just what we look like, but you know, the way we move in our world, like the things that stress us, like you were talking about before we started recording, like your fears and like how that can show up in different ways of things that maybe you haven't encountered before, but that, you have this certain response to so I think that it's it's a lot in that where it's like you the way that you respond to things um, specifically like stressors and things Mm -hmm. like that Um, it can affect like health conditions that you have because of that like stress that has been passed down forever and ever so I think that's that can be very real Um, Mm -hmm. and I think on on the like DNA report side of that is like it's it's a fun tool right like I very much acknowledge that you know it's it's a it's a marker for like it's the region markers for where your DNA could be traced back to or where people um, were from or where they migrated to or migrated from and so it's very much like it's just a piece of the story of your identity right so Mm -hmm. we were talking about the pieces of like it's what your family tells you and it's what other people tell you and then it's like this sort of more scientific side of like where does your where do your dna markers come from and i think for me i just did it for fun and it didn't really tell me anything new it more just confirmed like what i yeah. already knew
0: i think um, that's actually yeah. the real
1: value of I it think, because
0: yeah it didn't it nothing shocked me it was yeah. more of just like oh okay you know like yeah <laughs> because also if you take it and a and a full sibling takes it they're going to pop up with different percentages than you because they got different parts of the thing. So like, you know, I, I think I'm technically like, according to that DNA thing, I think I would percentage wise be more black than my brother, which makes sense because my phenotypes and his phenotypes and Mm. stuff like that. So it's like, okay, I got more of the black genes. He got more (laughs) of the white genes. It's just a thing you know it's just a thing but to confirm is like oh it was more than just that they were English the white people it's that they were also Welsh and that they were anti-British imperialism and so like okay so even my white side is a little fighty against you know (laughs) against monarchy and and stuff like that right like different things like that like are these impulses coming because you had ancestors that were you know anti-establishment whatever the thing like in my case anti-establishment seems to be a recurring
1: (laughs) thing it lives in your blood
0: yeah like it it (laughs) was in my blood uh the fact that none of the men in my families on both sides are sexually faithful and here i am polyamorous (laughs) maybe i corrected it by being more (laughs) honest about it but like i'm pretty sure it comes from the fact that we are uh from pygmy poly polygamous. In Africa you know like that's where we come from we're from yeah tribe. I, yeah so, I think that's so interesting like that. yeah but I think there are some things that like um in what we don't understand about it obviously the science is still new and things like that but um and I'm not a spiritual person at all I don't really think about things like that that being said I've had very visceral reactions to random shit that confirms ethnic identity in some way shape or form you know like why do I cry buckets when I hear particular types of African drums or taiko drums? Why do they make me cry? Because it makes me feel like I'm missing something, like it's an absence. And this moment, I've just been given something back. Um, there's a spot in England that I was driving down the highway with my cousin in and I peeked up because I was like, are we from here? <laughs> you know, I've told this story on the show before. It's like, and he's like, England? <laughs> Because he's like, obviously, we're from England. And I was like, no, here, like, wherever we are right now, are we oh, from wow. here? And he's like, I don't fucking know. Wow. And, and he's like, why? And I'm like, because I feel from here all of a sudden. And I didn't know what it was. Like, I don't know what made me all of a sudden feel like home Tara. Like, I have been here, but I had never been there before. So why was mm. it about this particular place? And then I looked on the map. I looked on the sign to see where we were so that when I could get back to a map, I was like, oh, that makes sense. If if we left Wales, we would have crossed through here. So maybe we settled here for a little while and maybe my <laughs> DNA was just like, hey, we've been here before, you know, like, I don't wow. know. Yeah. But again, I, I'm not a foo-foo, like spiritual type of no, person. The I'm, fact that I had that physical yeah. reaction tells me there is something about like what feels like home.
1: Yeah. No, I'm glad that you brought that up because I resonate with that so deeply. And I feel similarly where it's like, I'm not a super spiritual person. Like I don't have a particular faith or anything like that, but there's something with some things sometimes, um, particularly in relation to culture that I just feel so deeply. And like these things have happened before I even knew, right? Like that, like I had this um, indigenous Mexican lineage, like that I was, I just really always appreciated and deeply resonated with like ancient Mm. art, like ancient, um, like Mayan and Aztec art. And it's a very like specific type of art style. And I've always just been fascinated by it. And like, you know, hadn't really taken a lot of time to really learn about it. But once I learned that that was actually in my ancestry, I was like, oh, that's so much more interesting. And, and when I learned that it was more of a like, a deepening of my understanding and connection with it. Absolutely. And like yeah. just more of a, like, once I heard that, I was like, I need to go home. I need to get on the computer. I need <laughs> to figure out like some things about like these ancient civilizations and like fill in these gaps of my knowledge and like yeah. look at the art and like understand why I have felt like this has resonated for me so much. Mm-hmm. Um And then another thing that happened through doing my DNA report was I found out through that that um, my maternal haplogroup, um, which is my mom's side, Japanese and Filipino, traces back to um, ancient Jomon Japanese Jomon culture um, and so so one of the first things that I read about Jomon culture was that. Um, they're known for their very specific pottery style Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: was already wild to me because for the last year I've been practicing pottery and I've been getting into that a lot and like learning techniques and things and so I was like pottery oh my goodness and so I look I look up you know just images of pottery and then another this is kind of just like a way off tangent from here but like I look into the pottery and then I see like all these designs that look similar to um the video game design in breath of the wild which i've been playing recently and i was like "Hmm, this looks this looks like very similar to this uh video game art and i wonder if they drew from this Mm -hmm. um to like make the game and um because you know it's made by nintendo nintendo's japanese company sure enough as i'm scrolling i find an article that's like breath of the wild like was inspired by ancient jomon culture and art for their for their all is- the game art and I was just like this is just I just thought it was a fun weird little coincidence yeah. that it all traced back to like I found my DNA I found like this you know Japanese Jomon which I wasn't familiar with before and then it traces back to like video game style and then that's a whole like you know conversation about like um ancient culture art influencing like modern art and like mm-hmm. I just love all of that because I'm a creative arts person and so I was just like I love that connection and so that is what I and I think I'm going to kind of uh, uh, prematurely answer this question for you because I know you're going to ask it at the end (laughs) but like that's what I love about being mixed is it just opens up that that um, different level of like personal connection I can have to a lot of different cultures and it's just like I keep learning and learning because there's so much there's so much to learn about everything
0: yeah and I I there's moments where you learn a little nugget about something that you come from and it answers a question that you didn't realize you had going on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're suddenly like, "Oh, that's why" or like, "Oh, that's why I'm into that" or something like that. I've had moments like that uh, a lot of times where a question just kind of gets answered by the most random thing, a random little new access to culture that I didn't have before. And, you know, like sometimes it sends me into therapy because I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that was a that was a whole thing I got to deal with now. (laughs) But every now and then it's like it just answers a question in a way that's a little bit like a little bit more validating. Uh, Because I know validation is something that we all have to experience at different tiers in our life. Uh, As you get older, you need less of it. Um, (laughs) You need less of external validation. But even for me, every now and then something will happen and I'll be like, oh, my God, see, this is real. Like I knew this was a thing, you know and um that that's a that's a pretty good one I, I and I'm such a nerd for it too like if you find out that you've got a thing and you just like like what happens if and I think this goes back to me finding out that the particular uh tribal people that we came from from Africa were polygamists and pygmies I kept wondering why my black side of the family wasn't tall as tall as the other black folks i grew up around and then to find out we we're pygmies and that like at the hi- at the tallest they tended to be about five six or seven i was like okay now yeah, the So well, like why <laughs> my why the men in my family don't clear 510 like okay i understand now um like so like little things like that like a question gets answered you you don't even realize yeah. like i knew that i thought my family was short and i knew that it bothered me but then i found out that we were pygmies and i was like oh so they just haven't had enough time to get enough other stuff in them, so the height stayed present. Or me making the connection of like me being polyamorous is probably a you know a throwback from the generations of people in my family that aren't monogamous. You know, and whether that's not just a stretch on my part or just actually something there's something to it. I mean, literally, no one in my family is. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of them pretend to be monogamous but they're really not and um I just think like oh, at wow. some point it's got to be
1: there's got to be a question that back you somewhere. know you got to trace it back
0: <laughs> like how how is it every every generation um and it's mostly the men if I'm honest but you know I'm bi-gendered so I you know I got some I got some boy DNA going on inside of me too uh but things like that I think it's I'm such a nerd for those moments and and finding little answers to questions you have when a random stranger comes up and sees something like I get old Creole ladies coming up to me all the time you know not all the time but like randomly I'll just be in the store and they'll be like you're Creole and then they'll walk away and vanish into the (laughs) night and it's like did you just come here and tell me that like you saw that I that were the same is that
1: just like a validation or you know
0: like (laughs) it's really there's one in particular I really remember because I was like six years old and I was in a Long's Drugs in Sacramento California and this old light-skinned Creole lady walked up and she's like, that child's Creole. And then just shuffled off. And I was like, what did she mean? <laughs> and, my mom, <laughs> and my mom was like, Creole. I remember her telling me, because again, I'm six. She's like, Creole are like people who are from Louisiana. And so in my head, my whole childhood, all I knew is that Creoles are from Louisiana. And I didn't know <laughs> what the rest of it meant until July right. when we were learning about you know, Louisiana purchase and enslavement in Louisiana and all that kind of stuff. And then once they started explaining that, I go, oh, that's what she meant. And we were from that area. So it was like, oh, okay, I get it. So like, it took years, it took six, seven years for me to get validated from the thing the lady at the Long's drug said, you know, because <laughs> I didn't know what she meant until six years later. Right. But yeah, I think there's moments like that that are just fun little ways to make us feel like whole and complete people. Uh, One thing we didn't really get into, I mean, we're coming to the end of this anyway, is like your work and how your mixedness informs the kinds of things that you enjoy doing either creatively or professionally. Do you want to get into that a little bit?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I am a filmmaker. I'm a photographer. I do a lot of creative art stuff. Like I mentioned, I've been into pottery a lot lately. I just do anything, anything creative. I've got my hands on it. So uh, recently in the last year, I uh, directed and produced a film called and other oppressive dynamics, which is (laughs) about, um, healing from harm in nonprofit spaces um, mm-hmm. and that was based a lot in my own experiences with the nonprofit industrial complex and just hearing a lot of stories from people and wanting to lift that up and have a bigger a bigger piece of media about it and mm-hmm. a bigger conversation about it and to share stories and to focus on healing as well um, and in that process I, Just really intentionally wanted to hire all women and non-binary BIPOC creators um, Mm. and folks who were, you know, kind of like it would be a good learning opportunity for them as well to be on this set. And so I found a super rad bunch of people to work with and they were awesome. And I think that also is like really important to know that's not just related to mixedness, but just representation in this and the space that you create for things, because it's like, it's a, it's an intimate set. Like people were sharing very personal stories about their experiences and and their traumas. And it was very important for me to have a group of people that understood that and could hold that space with me and me not just be the only one, because it's like, I live in Seattle. It's -hmm. very white over here. If people don't know. And I could have, you know, I could have just put a call out and found whoever responded first and been like, "Okay, cool. It's going to be a bunch of white dudes, right?" But that's mm-hmm. not going to hold the container of the space in the same way that if I choose folks that are who have experienced these things like multiple layers of oppression within yeah. the workplace or specifically within nonprofits um and who can like relate to pe- to all the people I was interviewing on a different level than like right. a white man who maybe has never had that experience, um, in a workplace who hasn't had to deal with those things or think about those things in the same ways who maybe can still have empathy and understand the situations, but just can't connect in the same ways that like they just never could. Um, so that was very, very, um, something I wanted to be really intentional about in creating that space. And I try to just do that in my everyday life is, is to work with folks Um, Work with people of color, work with women, work with non-binary people, work with queer people, work with trans people, like work with all these people that are not being given that representation and that opportunity first, Mm -hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, it's like I see this old white man's club out here and they're giving each other all the opportunities right and they're 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 also having these conversations about diversity and inclusion but then they're still hiring each other right they're not I branching know. out of that and you have to be able to be uncomfortable a little bit and to branch out of that comfort zone of like who right. you know in order to reach equity right like that's what equity is about is yeah. reaching beyond that and being like Well, let's actually look for somebody who maybe hasn't had the opportunity before and is a little bit more green, but like they're going to add a different nuanced perspective to this project or this set or this whatever because they're not another white man. Right. Right. Like, and that's of course not to say that a bunch of white men, men can't have different perspectives, but like, we all know what we're talking about here. We know what we're like, talking about, right? Like,
0: when diversity know, when, is when a brunette instead exactly, of...
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly, right. It's a white woman, right? Right, like, right, yeah. It's, and there's just nothing else there that is like diverse about that. There's not a difference of experience or upbringing, you know, of racial identity, ethnic identity, perspective, culture, all that kind of stuff, like that lived experience, right? And so that's something I always just am... Like that's my uh, I value integrity in my work in that way that I always mm-hmm. want to lift up other people with me um, and like refer work to them. You know, if I'm like I need to pass on something, I'm going to refer it to somebody else who's a person of color or who yeah. would who would, you know, who is of an identity that would be um, really great to work on that project yeah. because they have that lived experience and perspective. Um, so that's just something that I that I. Really, um Think is important. And also, I... in, I also do music. Um, and I think a lot of those themes come out in some of my music as well mm-hmm. of like representation and just diversity and nuances of our experiences and all that kind of stuff. But I think a in lot. a
0: lot of cases too, it's more reflective of like the life that we have versus, I mean, I know there's some of us who live in a very like Seattle is a very white place. When I lived in Sacramento, it was a very white space, but like in the people that I'm around that I choose, mm-hmm. they're from all over. They're from yeah. different cultures. They're from different ethnicities. They're from different places. And I would rather work, in an environment like that, too, to have all those influences, instead of just like 10 Chad's and two Becky's. (laughs) You know, like, it's just not it doesn't make I I can't relate to that. And I don't think we're going to tell the same story. Yeah, exactly. If if that's the diversity (laughs) that we have yeah i'm that that brunette joke i remember someone saying that on a film set once where it's just like we need a little bit more diversity in here and then someone goes bring in the brunettes and
1: oh my god and like
0: it just made me die laughing because i know like i knew exactly what was happening like exactly right uh well you did already kind of answer the question but um (laughs) uh, but okay let's see let me see if i can come up with a new one yeah I mean, my other go-to is always like, what's your favorite hybrid food? Like a food that kind of connects at least one or two, multiple of what you got. Like you and I are both super multi-ethnic, but do you have a food that at least joins two, if not more? Oh man, a fusion food of some sort, if you will.
1: I don't know, but I, I just really love making Mexican food and I often put like sticky white rice in tacos. <laughs> I think that's I mean, kind of I a weird. I I like
0: whole thing full of rice and I'm making tacos. Like I mean, rice.
1: I only eat Japanese sticky rice, so. You know,
0: okay, so nobody <laughs> seems to get this and I, it it is Japanese snobbery to a degree, I'll grant people that, but like if you're raised on sticky rice, dry rice or whatever there's no other rice it doesn't make sense like there's no other rice i'll eat it if i'm at a restaurant or whatever i'll i get it i'll eat i'll eat the fucking rice but like if you grew up on sticky rice no other rice makes as much sense
1: no it's true i agree with you that's the only rice that i eat no other rice makes sense
0: it's so it's
1: Japanese disgusting. sticky rice supremacy
0: now I'll be for real for, like honestly um that is the only supremacy that I will
1: support. exactly
0: now, literally I'm gonna make a t-shirt now that you've said this because I make a t-shirt for everything I'm gonna make a rice supremacist oh my god t-shirt. it's gonna cause so many problems um uh, but I'm going that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna start working on that design right now oh my um, god. because it's also my fantasy to have like a a mixed retreat where we end the thing with a rice cook-off, knowing Ooh. that after all the unity we create over the course of however many days, we'll completely destroy all that goodwill by fighting over whose rice is better because we will all fight <laughs> over whose rice is better. I want, I, I, I want this for me so badly. I love I it. Even... I support it. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's hilarious. Okay. Rice and everything. You already kind of said what you love most about being mixed.
1: Well, I'll just say I am not a percentage I'm not part I'm not half I'm not a fraction I'm a whole ass person whole ass you person. can be you can be a mixed person and be a whole ass person you are fully everything don't let that girl tell you you're not full right <laughs> you define your own identity and yeah it mixed yeah. means more right it just it, it just means, means more, more. i know you say that a lot so it's, it's a like plus exactly it's a minus it's yes and it's i am this and this and this i'm not a fraction of anything so
0: the, the amount of time it took me to come to that idea like i'm so fresh because i've been my mixed ass self for so long you yeah. know like i've been a, a fairly <laughs> confident mixed person i have my moments of invalidation but throughout my whole life i'm a fairly confident mixed person but to get to the place to me saying wait. I'm more than thing. I'm more things. How how did it take so long? Like the work of mono supremacy. Uh, I just mm, made that up. Is wow. so like so special. Like it's so you know insidious that like we are convinced that we're not enough of something, uh, because people think this random thing, you know, like yeah, when you can put things in context of like say a transracial adoptee, they're a hundred percent whatever they're wherever they're from right but like you know my my biggest example is because of these are the trans racial adoptees i know more of korean born adopted by white people in the south that was a big thing south Mm. or northeast was a big thing they were adopting a lot of um, korean babies Mm. and when you get to know those people those are white people because that's who they grew up around that's what they had access to and they were not very few of them had the gracious enough adoptive parents to be like, I'm going Mm. to expose you to their culture. Right. And so the, the ones I've had interaction with or even the ones that I became friends with, those are some white people. Mm. They just happen to have Korean faces. Now, if you stand. Who actually grew up in a household with a Japanese grandparent who speaks a little bit of the language, who knows how to cook a little bit of the food. And this person has no access to their heritage. Which one of us is more? We're both Asians. We just had different access. Yeah. We just had different access. So to tell me that, you know, maybe one of us is more because they're 100%, you know, quotation marks there again, uh, versus me who had cultural access, that's weird. But then the flip of it is weird too because I had cultural access but technically I'm a percentage and they are not you know so it's a stupid either way it's dumb no matter which direction yeah
1: and I think we always have to think about again those different pieces of of being mixed and how you identify like that phenotype right it's like Mm -hmm. both of you look Asian like and so it's that person if you know, it doesn't matter a lot of times how you act, whether that person is like culturally white, right? Because mm-hmm. that's how they were raised. And that's the culture they were raised in. If they have a specific face, and somebody doesn't get to know them, which often a lot of interactions are based on not getting to know people, right. they're going to be racialized in yes, that sense. Absolutely. And so it's like, it there's all it's that's why it's just so nuanced. And there's so many pieces of identity that it's, it's just much, yeah. it at the end of the day, it's like, can we can we all just come to an understanding that we define ourselves
0: and and right? like trust like, me that i'm telling trust you me when truth. i say like, if I, I, it's gonna i've thought so about this effort. a lot more than you Great, right, like it's gonna take me so much effort to pretend to be something that i'm not like in in terms of my my cultural identity and my physical presentation these things don't match So if I'm telling you I'm a thing, you're just going to have to trust me. You know what I'm saying? You're you're just going to have to trust that this is it. Uh, Because the other part is that it's way more obvious when you're faking it. Mm. Like an Aquafina, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, someone who actively puts on a performance of somebody else's race versus someone like me who happens to look this way, but identifies more Black, you know. Mm. I grew up around it. So right. that's that's where it comes from. Um, so yeah, I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but it is, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it happened. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't understand how we've been convinced that more is less when it comes to mixed people and that we're not a full, a full whole ass person. Um, so as long as more people are starting to get that, I think yeah, that's, that's- I'm glad
1: we're here. We both understand that and we can tell that to the next person who listens to it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Just-
1: you know, it's, spread that around.
0: It's it, the the way the conversation has changed about mixedness since I started the show versus where I'm at now. The shorthand to get here is is uh, so much faster than it was before, and I'm I'm really glad for that. I hope more of us feel validated internally earlier on in our life, so you don't have to sit here and and allow other people's confusion to confuse you. Because I, for damn sure, yeah. am not confused. I know exactly what I am. You know, yes. I know how much access to all the things I have and I'm cool with where I'm at. You know, it's totally yes. fine. Uh, it. what did you tell people how to find you if you want to?
1: Um, yeah, well, you can find my work in film and photography at on Instagram at Amy L.P. Productions. And my website is Amy And you can also find my music stuff at on Instagram. Sweet Amori, A-M-O-R-I. Mm yeah
0: well thank you again for joining me in this conversation
1: thank you so much (laughs) yeah this was so fun thank you so much
0: oh good i'm glad and i appreciate that you've been a a longtime listener first-time guest of uh, of the show militantly mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me charmaine fury music is by david bogan the one You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self.